into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Welcome to this week's episode of Scarves Around the Funnel. I'm Mark Donaldson. Delighted to say alongside me, as usual, is Ryan McGowan. And this week's special guest is Ewan Murray. Now, before I introduce the two gentlemen, just a quick message for our regular uh, host, the man who makes it sound a lot more professional than it actually is, Laurie Dunsire. It's been tough for Laurie over these past few weeks. We just want to say, Laurie, that we are thinking of you and we hope you are back on the podcast as soon as possible. And those are sentiments I know will be echoed by Ryan McGowan. Ryan, how are you? Very good. Thank you, mate. And exactly like what you said, we're all thinking of you. This week's special guest is third, fourth time on the podcast. Um, When you produce the quality that he does when he comes on the podcast then he's going to get invited back. So he needs to be more shit going forward <laughs> from the Guardian, the golf writer, and, and someone who had issues with cankles at the weekend, Mr. Ewan Murray. Mark, how are you? Nice to be back. Yes. Um, so for, for anybody that uh, that thinks, and I'm not going to make the same gag that Laurie always does when you go, oh, welcome to the Sky Sports Golf Commentator. But you do assume his identity at times especially when you get social media abuse, but you really do put them in their place. How was Cankles at the weekend, the username or, or whatever, and uh, how did you put him in his place? Oh, this was the lad who was, who was abusing me about a comment that my namesake made on Sky about Daniel Berger. Um, and he would, not, he would not let this go, and he... Even, I think, having been prompted by a few other people, he didn't realise that he was tweeting the wrong person and me. Um, so I just gently um, urged him to mind his own business. Um, I, I'm kind of getting concerned about this because far more people enjoy my um, other Ewan Murray tweeting and actions than they enjoy my actual professional output in The Guardian. So it, it's given me a bit of concern. But, but I'm, I'm, glad that people, I'm glad that people like it. Yes, uh, you've had fun um, taking the mickey out of people who think you are um, someone that, that you're not. Um, you and Murray, March 14th to Cankles 97. Uh, listen, son, I sent you on your way yesterday. The challenge is a simple one. Come to my booth and act the big man about my imperious commentary. You'll be the one needing protein and more after that. Uh, you're 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 showing your your humorous side. Is that a good thing though? Because is that how you want to be portrayed? Oh well, the other danger is, of course, that someone turns up at you and Murray's booth <laughs> sky <laughs> after one of these <laughs> after one of these challenges of mine, and a bit of a hairy situation develops. So I, I should maybe be slightly careful. But um, no, it, it gives me a bit of fun. Sometimes I can't. Um, sometimes I can't help it. And um, as I say, it does seem to cause wider. Uh, amusement, so I'm well, the happy other to keep you and, going. The, the other you and Murray enjoys what you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, like that, that's the key. Yeah, 
No, that's an important point, and I wouldn't do it if, if Ewan didn't find it funny and Ewan wasn't on board with it. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it at all. And also, there, there is more stuff I get sent uh, for him, which can be quite personal and embittered mm. about commentary, and I, and I don't react to that. I tend to react to stuff that's easier to have a bit of fun with. Um, but um, no, I mean, I think Ewan's. Uh, well, I think it's, it's a matter of record, 67 years old, considerably older than me, and he would never be threatening people and challenging them to come to his commentary booth. But um, <laughs> I see that's my only danger, that one day someone does, then that, well, that was slightly <laughs> my fault. My experience and reputation in the booth means I am allowed the odd bold call. The likes of you, a canteen commando from a sofa in Brixton, won't alter that approach. And then your wonderful sign-off, yours in golf, Mr. Ewan Murray. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, have you ever been um, mistaken for somebody else? Um, not on Twitter. I've had a few tweets being like wrong at if someone's trying to find me. There's a I know there's a Ryan McGowan baseball player in America. I think at some type of level, he sometimes um, if it's an abusive message, he'll write back to him saying you've got the wrong at and put me in it. So I'd have to go up and scroll up and see what have you given me but um no not really not as you and which i do enjoy watching on twitter very 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 humorous so since we we last spoke last week a good cup win saturday night most people were pissed atmosphere was brilliant and a scottish cup tie to come against hibernian ryan were you happy with that draw oh delighted delighted draw i think that was Best option out of the three. But we're going to touch about with the announcement today of the scheduling, which I think is bitterly disappointing. 12.15 on a Saturday morning or Saturday lunchtime kickoff is not what you want when you're wanting to get 5,000 fans for a massive game. And yeah, I'm sure we will discuss it later. Was that a good draw <laughs> for you against the Birmingham? Uh, I'm not sure what to say about these things because I'm always, I'm always conscious that you can say completely the wrong thing and, and end up sounding no, overconfident and, and cocky. Um and, and if I look if I look at it in the the um the pessimistic side as I quite often do, it would be more palatable in inverted commas to lose a semi-final to Hibs and a final to Hibs. So there is that. Um yeah, I, I mean I I think honestly if you'd asked me at the start which team would you most likely play in the semi-final, it would probably be Hibs. And that's on a simple basis you know, I think they're weaker than Celtic or, or Rangers. And I think if Hearts, in their current state, play at their full potential or close to it, then kind of regardless of what Hibs do, Hearts should win that game. So I, I would be comfortable with those percentages. Whilst being conscious not to say, yeah, it's fantastic. You know, Hearts will win comfortably, hand and record, blah, blah, blah. I don't like going down that road. But but of the options available, I think it was, it was the best one with... You know, and, and Robbie Nielsen said it, and he's right. The added bonus of, you know, it's not about money. You want to win trophies, but if Hearts win their semi-final, it, it's group stage European football next season, yeah. virtually guaranteed, and that's a big, big deal in terms of finance for the club. So, you know, if, if ever an extra, extra carrot or extra incentive was needed, then then there it is for that game. I've already had the goalie on saying, so we're guaranteed eight European games if mm. we win the cup or we finish third and Celtic Rangers win it. How many more do I need 
to beat Henry and the others. So eight would tie him with uh, with the, the two at the top. So he's already looking ahead to that, which is good to see. Um, it also gives us a couple of opportunities, Ryan, to, to qualify um, for the group stage or guaranteed uh, qualification for the group stage. Because if we lose to Hibs, which hopefully we don't, and they don't win the final, then we'd be in if we finish third. If we beat Hibs, then we're guaranteed the group stage of at least the conference league as well. So look, a worse scenario would be Hearts and Hibs beat Rangers and Celtic in the semi-finals, and then Hibs beat Hearts, God forbid, in the final. And 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 we we don't get group stage football and and ultimately they do. So it's a kind of we've got two chances now, which we didn't have. We'll talk more about the draw. We'll talk more about uh, this weekend's game coming up against Livingston. But first, I want to take a look back at the weekend action against St Mirren. Benny McKay, left-hand side of the box now. Up against Richard Tate, gets it into the middle. It's come to Ellis Sims. And somehow the ball's not hit the back of the net. It's there! It pinballed about and it's a first goal for Hearts for Benny Beringamy. Going through the middle, boys plays it wide touch, right. Touch. Ben Woodburn plays it into the middle. Peter Haring and it's 2 0. Peter Haring scores her second goal. Greg Kilty and he gets a good flick on. Richard Tate now with space down the right hand side, driving towards the Hearts penalty. There's a good ball into the middle. It's a great goal. And it's 2 1. St. Mirren on the score sheet. It's Eamon Brophy. Boys volleys away only as far as Connor Gronin. St. Mirren. Continue with the pressure, what a finish that oh, is by Conor Gronin, my word! St Mirren have the equaliser and Conor Gronin has scored the goal of the tournament. Atkinson does well to get past his man, Atkinson into the box, squares it for... Get and it's it, into the it. back of the net, it's Aaron Makarev! First touch of the ball. Aaron Makarev, his second, second touch, touch of the ball, <laughs> after coming off the bench. Tell you what, there's a little bit of fortune about this, Jimmy Sanderson, but we are not caring one jot. It is Harman Melodian, she's St Mirren too. Looks on his outside and finds McInef again. McInef on the right hand side. It's a good ball into the middle. It's a fourth goal for Hartley Midlothian. Ellis Sims tapping in at the front post. And you have to say that might be game over now. It's Hartley Midlothian for St. Mirren 2. Ryan McGowan, 4 2 on a Saturday night at Tynecastle Park. What do you make of it? Uh, very good performance, I thought. Um, at the end of the day, it was all about the result and, and getting through to the semi final. But I thought the boys showed. Um, you know, first of all, I thought they started the game with, you know, the right intentions and, and right at it. Going early, going up early 2-0 was, was a massive bonus. And then uh, when they pulled it back to 2-2, I thought that the team showed real character in terms of, you know, changing the game during the game, which is quite difficult to do when the other team gains momentum. And, um, yeah, our boy uh, Aaron McInerv with an instant impact. And I thought he was mm. um, very good in his short cameo and, Surprised he's not seen more, which I do think after that performance, he will definitely get more games between now and the end of the season. Interesting thing is, Ewan, that they were talking potentially, Robbie's comments afterwards, of McInef was in contention to start the game and it, it, they weren't convinced if it was going to be him or, or Haring, but Haring said he was, he was good enough to go, he was a doubt. Um, it, it, it worked for Hearts, didn't it? Were you, were you worried at all when they got back to 2-2? Yeah, I mean, I was I was otherwise engaged at a golf tournament in, in Florida, but I, I watched the game Sunday morning. I watched the full game back. First of all, I thought it was a terrific game. Um, yeah. And St Mirren, particularly in the first half, played a big part in that. I mean, I'm, 
as you probably know, I'm not prone to giving praise to Stephen Robinson's teams, but he, they were, I thought Simon were a bit unlucky to be 2 nothing down, actually, because they were a real threat to Hearts going forward. Um, at half-time, I thought that was pretty fair, but then the second half, Hearts took the game the stuff the neck. I thought Atkinson kicked on in a very, very good second half. And then, you know, it was strange because the, you know, the squad was so light that the bench was really short of senior players. So it wasn't a game where I actually thought, unlike other games this season, it wasn't a game where I thought the bench could be the thing that, that turns the game yeah. back in our favour. And that's exactly what happened. And, and I'm, I'm pleased for McInef. I was struck with how pleased everyone else looked for McInef. And, and I would yeah. be really surprised if he doesn't play against Livingston. I mean, the, the truth of him is, we can all say he looks this or he looks that. It's impossible for us to tell how good a player he is or mm-hmm. how he's going to fit at Hearts because he hasn't played enough. I mean, he the last game he played, it was slightly strange. That, that, that game at Ibrox, he was played in a kind of wide right-ish position and it, and it didn't work off at half-time. But he's never had a you know a run in the team where we can properly judge and assess how good a player he is. And I hope he gets that now. Partly because, listen, there's a bit of leeway in the league. You know, there's, there's a chance to... Give this guy a chance, and I mean over, you know, four or five games in a row, and let's see if he's going to make it long term. But it certainly looks as if his teammates are willing him to make it long term. The other thing that Robbie mentioned after the game was that they felt if McInnes started, they wouldn't have much of an impact of any players off the bench. Haring coming off the bench is more a kind of what we have, we hold type substitute. So, so, it, so it worked. Here's a question for you, Ewan. What's McInef's best position, given the other players that the Arts have? Because you're starting Mackay, you're starting Boyce, you've got Sims if you're playing a 4-2-3-1. Are you playing Boyce out wider with McInef in the middle or Boyce behind Sims and McInef out wide? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think, again, that's part of the problem. I don't know. And, and I, I, when he arrived and having spoken to people in Ireland, he was a kind of all-action box-to-box midfielder and you can see he likes to shoot. I mean, he's got a goal in him. And he remember the game at Dundee that Jamie Walker scored. You know, we won the game because McInef had a pop at goal from 20 yards. He, he's keen to do that. Um, maybe if you play narrow off the right hand side, that would work. Um, the problem is when when Devlin and not the problem, the, the issue is when Devlin and, and Benny are fit. I think they're always going to be the two just now. So then, where your question's a valid one, I, I don't know where he fits in further up the pitch in that. Midfield, my best bet would be the right side of the three, but narrower than an out-and-out wide player, which I don't think he is. Um, but yeah, that's part of the problem. There's not been a designated regular position for him, which is slightly strange given the club paid a bit of money for him and obviously had mm. plans for him when he when he came in, but but things obviously changed. That's an interesting point, Ryan, because if, if you play McInef slightly narrower, albeit in one of the, the two wide positions behind the striker, it would give someone like Natty Aka uh, the opportunity to to kind of bomb forward um, and have the the entire kind of side to himself. I mean, you, you've played several positions. Uh, you've played right back. Um, I think you and Natty are slightly different. Um, you can defend <laughs> that's slightly. Natty can, can cross the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. There we go. Yeah. Well, didn't take long, help. did it? Didn't take long. Well, Tim Cahill kind of appreciated your your delivery in the World Cup yes. in twenty in, in twenty fourteen. Um, Very true. So would, would that work for for Natty? Where would where would you play McInef, um if you're not playing him directly behind Sims because that's where Boyce is playing? 
I think that works well if he's playing that sort of that slightly inside midfield role, and it does give the the license for Atkinson to get forward, which I do think is his best trait. Um, you know, and being that sort of overlapping third man runner from the wide positions, um, I just think you touched on how important he is in the squad in operations. I think you can always how well a like player is within the squad for when they do score um, and delighted for it to, to get that and and I think we'll see hopefully with more and more appearances what kind of player he does well he is you, you were talking about traits and I think the one of the, the biggest traits that that Makinev has you in is an ability to train hard train well not get too down well certainly in public, you might be frustrated in private, but that's something that Robbie has mentioned is, is a very positive thing about his game and that he's, mm. he's always, and you mentioned it as well, he, he, he's, he's someone who his teammates, his peers absolutely adore um, because you saw what they were like um, when, he, when he scored that goal. So how important is that to have someone who might not play every week, but is always there when you need him? Yeah, hundred percent. But I think with him is the, the again because the club paid money for him, there was kind of big expectation, and and we don't quite. It goes back to the point. I don't quite know if Adam McInnes is ultimately a bit part bit part player at Hearts, or whether he should be a guy who plays more often, and and you know they just need to find a way to get him in a team so that that happens because we haven't seen enough of him. You know, with Robbie watching him train every day, I don't his judgment, but we haven't seen enough to judge exactly what his role in the squad is. Um, mm-hmm. Someone said to me, when I pointed out on Twitter that the reaction of his teammates towards him was really notable, someone said, well, he, you know, he scored one goal and set up another. They're, they're going to be happy. And I take that point, but I've seen it before with him. I remember the game against the United, 5-2 at Tynecastle, where, you know, Hearts has won the game and Mike and F came on and scored. And, and again, the reaction towards him from teammates was especially notable. Um and even you know Peter Haring in his post-match interview mentioned Aaron McInnes. You know, it, it seems like I watched Andy Halliday's reaction towards him at, at full time. He does seem like a genuinely very popular guy who his teammates are willing to do well, and and that should count for a lot. It says a lot about the atmosphere in the dressing room, first of all, but it says a lot about um, McInnes' character and McInnes' professionalism. So I think I think the same with supporters. I think we all wish him well. We want him to to become. An important player, and I think now is a chance to give him a run, and let's see, you know, let's see if he's capable of doing that. Ryan, the coaching staff has been working on on the, the whether it's the two in a four-two-three-one or the two in the middle of a a three-four-three in midfield, one getting forward or both getting forward when it's possible, and trying to get among the goals. Benny Miringham got the opening goal after sixteen. Peter Haring scored after twenty-nine. I thought that was a wonderful move. Are they starting to to kind of get the message that they're not just there to protect, but they can be creative as well? I spoke about that earlier on in the, the season, saying that we sort of needed more goals from the midfield. And so be it. I think it's what the last three weeks, Devlin, Beningami and Her- Peters all scored. So um, that's definitely what you want from, from your team is that if you have that goal threat from sort of your, your sixes or your midfielders, then um, you know it just makes you so much more dangerous. And um, I thought that Peter Herring's goal was a great, great team goal. You know that's one that was 
pleasing on the eye. It was very fluid. The movement was great and it was just really, really Is it just me or are we having issues with our audio this week? Only only Ryan's Ryan's going in and out to me. I hear you I can hear you fine. Okay. Hmm. Uh, have you paid your bills, McGavin? <laughs> They might have cut it off after the result last night, but um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. That's okay. Yeah. So what happened in the... Well, park hearts for just a second. I was hoping you'd come on here and... I know it's an audio-only podcast, but show us your medals. But it's a runners-up medal. (laughs) It's a runners-up medal. It's a runners-up. I don't know what's going on with my... Can you hear me fine now? Yeah? Yeah, you're you're good. I just feel sorry for Laurie having to... To edit this, um, were you uh, were you in a in a seventh, eighth, ninth position to take a penalty, or what, what was not that you needed to because somebody missed? How, how close yeah. were you to taking a penalty in the cup final? I was a uh, seventh. Okay. I was seventh in line. So we actually got a few penalty takers, um, so that shuffled me down the down the picking order. But um, yeah, did, unfortunately, didn't get to take one. Um, and yeah, we got beat five four in penalties, which was pretty disappointing for the for the club. Let's go back to Hearts because there's no point in rubbing it in anymore because you can show us <laughs> your medals and say, "Well, I scored in the cup final." We're like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> so they got back into it, and, and I think you and right. It, they they're not a bad side. They're not a bad side. And then when Brophy scored, they went in halftime two one. I you made a comment you and about Stephen Robinson, and is it me or does he always seem to watch a different game from everybody else? Um, when uh, when he does his post match interviews, oh, listen, I, I've said a lot about Stephen Robinson. To me, to me, what he uses is excuse based management. It's always it was the same at Motherwell. You know, it's they don't get enough credit, or it's someone else's fault. Or you go back to the the game at, at Paisley, his first game a few weeks ago, where Hearts I thought won perfectly comfortably, um, and he and he focused on the Samirin red card, which he was adamant, of course, wasn't right. Then there was no appeal from Samirin, of course about the red card, there was no comment that they should actually have another man sent off in that um, first half spell for attack on Gary McKay-Steven. Um, yeah, he, he just, um, he does far too much whining and whinging for my liking. And listen, I know people say that Robbie's guilty of the same thing, and I do think at times um, he can focus on referees. I thought the Aberdeen game as an example. Hearts have won the game, won the game very well. I, I didn't think there was a need to focus on, on Lewis Ferguson. So, uh, Listen, I'm not saying that, that Robbie Nielsen's completely faultless in that regard, but Stephen Robinson, to me, there's always an excuse. There's always something to complain about, and I and I find it quite um, I find it quite amusing. He, he was back at back in Scottish football two minutes that Hearts game, and he was he was complaining about um, decisions and whatever else. So yeah, I have a bit of fun with that. But, but as I say, his team, particularly that first half of Saturday, played well, played decent football, mm-hmm. and I thought Brophy was a. I've never been quite sure about even Brophy as a player, but I thought. Um, and he's not fully fit, but I thought he was a, a real handful for the Hearts defence. So, um, you know, you knew Hearts were in the game all right. And St Myrna's you credit for that. I don't think it was as perhaps comfortable as, as the scoreline might suggest. Can I ask both of you, Peter Haring, would you give him a new contract or not give him a new contract? I'd give him a new contract. Ryan? Yeah. New contract, for sure. Might be a one plus one or something like that. But I think he, he deserves it. I mean, look, we're in a situation right now with Cammy Devlin out for a few weeks that... I don't think we're we're missing him that much when we're able to play Haring and, and Beringham. The fact that you've asked that, does that suggest that you're not convinced that you should get another no, deal? I, I keep changing I keep changing my mind. 
Um, Why wouldn't you? Why, what, what reasons for not offering him a new contract? Because I think against the better teams, he gets caught out for being too slow, basically. Well, he's um, not playing against the better teams, is he? Well, because it would be it would be Cammy and and Benny. Well, that's what I mean, and, and I'm also I'm, I'm also conscious of the fact that every single player in your squad doesn't have to be a highly paid first choice player. You know, every Andy Halliday is a good example. You, you don't have to be the top earner. There's there has to be a place for guys who can fill in the squad and and come in where necessary. And you know whether Peter Haring would be happy doing that or what I don't know. That wasn't the basis he came to the club in the first place, and he's at a bad time with injuries. But I, I think I see certain things in games against the better teams in Scotland where I think he gets caught just by being a yard short and, and that worries me a bit. But then you see him in a game like Saturday, you see him in the game at Dens before Christmas, he was terrific. And against these teams, I think he's definitely got a role. So whether that, probably on balance now, that should be enough to keep him. But I just think if the, if the aspiration is to go forward and get better, you know, and it's easier said than done finding better players than that. I understand that, but they maybe need quicker, technically better players in the middle of the pitch in that position. But I, I'm I'm swithering and maybe now leaning more towards the fact they should give them another year. Well, versatility, Ryan, as well, because mm-hmm. if need be, he could just slot into the back because he came to the club as a centre back, didn't he? Yeah, I think it would be the, the discussions between the club and himself. Um, it will be. It will probably come down to. Everyone's fit, best 11. You're probably not in it, but that's not to say injury suspensions like now. If you're playing well, it's hard to get out and it would be up to him on whether he decides he wants to, to stay or not. Um, I think that would probably be the the issue regarding his contract. I, I think Hearts would definitely offer him one, whether he takes it or not is, is another option. Well, also, he's, I mean, he's, he's 28. He's had a hard injury time. He didn't play for big clubs or was it Rapid Vienna? Not huge clubs before he came to Hearts. He wouldn't have earned mega money. His next contract is probably very important to him. So whether he would settle for what Hearts may be inclined to offer is a big question. You know that well, Ryan, right? It depends what the player with yeah. his own ideas mm-hmm. and aspirations. Yeah. Come down to his family, if he's settled, where he wants to go. Um, you know, he might be thinking, I'll back myself to get into this team. You know, possibility of eight or so European games next year puts you right in the shop window for for a move. You know, a, a one-year contract extension might be perfect for him because if, again, the end of that year, the following season, if he's still in the same position, he can leave. But he's had that taste of, you know, hopefully European football and and his injuries-wise. You know, it's probably the longest time that he's been fully fit and available for for quite a while, which is, which is big for him. So, um, yeah, I'll... It will be interesting to see how that plays out, but I think it will, it will come down to him and, and where he sees himself in the next couple of years. Speaking Remember, of being um, settled, sorry, Ewan, speaking of being settled, Ryan, where would you feel of the clubs that you've played for, you were most settled in that city? Would it be Edinburgh? Yeah, yeah, definitely Edinburgh. I think maybe, people maybe forget that, the same. Yeah, I was in Edinburgh, it was not as much as him, but I was in Edinburgh a long time before I, I made my debut. It's sort sure. of where I did a lot of my growing up as a young adult so um yeah I, I felt like that was definitely the the place that I've been that I felt most comfortable Sydney I was, I was pretty comfortable back in Sydney I, I really enjoyed that those two years there but COVID kind of killed that a little bit for me but um 
yeah, I think it will, a lot of it will come down to, to how he actually is and, and how settled him and his family are in Edinburgh. Just a wee bit surprised, you that, that I get your point. It's just it was one of those. Look, if we can agree a deal with Haring, I think it's, I think it's a, a no brainer. Um, but but you're right. Look, if Hearts want to go to the next level, and that would be not at the level of the old firm right now, but in European competition, what kind of player are they looking for in the summer if they know they can offer someone guaranteed group stage European football? And do they have to then increase their wage cap? or their top earner kind of status to get what they're looking for. Oh, 100%. I mean, that, that to me is why the European thing is so important because um, I think I've seen £4 million thrown about as a kind of ballpark figure for what you know this would earn the club. Well, if you throw in that guaranteed £4 million into the club's turnover, that's a big jump. Um, and to me then automatically, what, what they're paying players has to increase and it's not an exact science, but that you would then hope that the calibre of player that they can sign should be better again. And, and crucially, because I think these are the competitive reference points, they should be able to spend a lot more money in Aberdeen and a lot more money in Hibs, while still not being anywhere near being able to pay, you know, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five thousand pounds a week or whatever the old firm might pay players. But but that European money—that's why this season was so important. And and actually. Um, it was such a wrong one for Aberdeen, for example, to get wrong, having been in Europe so many times. If you can get this, this European figure this year, it, it changes your financial situation, changes what you can offer players. And as I said, you have to still have to make the right decisions, but it should mean a lot in terms of the calibre of player you can sign going forward. And that that's, comes back to guys like Haring. Does that mean it has to get better? It has to go beyond them again? And you've, you're looking for an upgrade even on your kind of backup players? That, that's I mean, listen... You know, we've got director of football and we've got recruitment people who can work this out. But I think I think the whole thing is linked in terms of the standard of player that they can afford and they can have. So Connor Ronan got them back into it. Then Aaron McInef got his goal. Ellis Sims got the uh, got the fourth goal five minutes from time. I I enjoy listening to podcasts to and from work and just around the house or, or whatever. And one of the ones that I, I, I like to, to listen to is the BBC Sports Sound one. Um, after that game, so they had like half an hour recap from Tynecastle. I was surprised when Richard Gordon said, he kind of laughed and he was like, Ellis Sims, ha, 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 He's like, God, he needs so many chances to score, doesn't he? That kind of, I was like, am I watching the same game? Is Richard Gordon right, Ryan, that Ellis Sims needs all these chances before scoring? Because I disagree with him. Yeah, I, I disagree. Sometimes I bet you there's people that think that about us and what are they actually talking about, but... Um, yeah, I just find him a, a very, very good striker. He's someone that you, you don't fancy playing against because he's big, he's strong, he's good in the air. He can finish. Um, I think all of his finishes at Hearts have been not similar, but very different and but very impressive in terms of even the one at the weekend. That's a good front post run and a very good finish. You know, Nine times out of ten, you see them either not being able to cut it back as much as they want, but... Um, his timing of his runs, his movement, he's just a, a really, really good pickup. What do you think of Ellis Sims, you in part one? And part two, is Liam Boyce better in the role he's now playing, slightly withdrawn as a link player, than he was when he had to plough the, the, the channels and, and go up front on his own? Part one, Sims. Part two, Boyce. What do you think? Um, do, do you know what size Ellis Sims' 
feet are, by the way? <laughs> no. Have a guess. Um, 12 or 13? Yeah. Right. 10? 11? Size, four, size 14 feet. Oh. There's some useless trivia for you. <laughs> uh, can I ask how you know that? <laughs> someone, someone at the club told me, and I, and I now can't stop looking at his feet having been told this, that's all. But it wasn't instantly um, apparent to me, but having been told this, I now can't take my eyes off his feet. I was going to ask if he was in proportion, but if you know that, then we're really going to start to be concerned about what you get up to. Um, moving swiftly on. But, yeah, moving swiftly on. And by the way, before you get to answering the question, I think it's time for a, a quick tangent, and it's to do with the size of someone's feet. So there's a big misconception that Stevie Nichol had the biggest feet in football, right? But that was only because when he signed for Liverpool from Air United back in the early 80s, the cameraman got him to sit in the main stand on the wooden seats at Anfield, put his feet up on the back of one of the wooden seats, and the camera was right beside his feet. So it looked like the feet were like size 844, when he's only a size 12. Anyway, Sims. Now, if this is wrong, then it's the fault of Ian Finnis, who's Tommy Fleetwood's caddy. They're big Everton fans, and, and Finnell told me this. But he said he, he was a record-breaker in terms of goal-scoring for Everton's, I think, under-23 team. He set some kind of record. I can't remember the detail of the record, but he set some kind of record. But my point is, he knows where the goal is. And, and he, I think he had a... I've got a friend who sports Black Bull, and they loved him there, and he certainly, I don't think, had their issue scoring. Um, I would like to see Sims... I, I don't know if this is feasible at all. I would like to see Hearts try to keep him next season on, on another loan, because I think... Definitely. I think knowing the environment now, knowing the guys, knowing the club, he's the kind of guy who could really benefit another season in Scotland, and I think it would help him. Again, if you bring European football into it, um, I think it would, you know, rather than bouncing about to another team in England, say, I think if they could keep him for a year, another year, that would be of benefit to everyone. I, he's quick, he's raw in a lot of ways, but um, I like his attitude. And I, he's been a bit unlucky not to score. I think at Tannadice, he's been a bit unlucky not to score more goals. So, mm. you know, I think he's been a a really good signing. And on Liam Boyce, 100%, and I think he's playing very well just now. Yes. I don't think that, I don't think that's a coincidence that the position is slightly changed. He's, he's fitter, of course. He had an issue with injury for a while, but his position has slightly changed and, and Sims has come in the team. And I, and I, I think that I think that works. Liam Boyce is a very intelligent footballer and he, and he I think centre-forwards, especially at heart, seem to get a bit of a hard time anyway. And I think for a while he was getting a hard time, but I think now you see him in a different kind of role. People realise what a good all-round football player he is. So I, I think that's 100% worked for him. Ryan, loan spells. When you're at a football club, and I want to speak to you specifically about the fact that you went to Air United on loan, you went to, to Partick on loan, you didn't play as much there, but how did they help you when you went back to Hearts? And, and why would another season at Hearts benefit Ellis Sims? Because he's a break glass in case of emergency player for Everton right now. He played against Chelsea. That was his, that was his debut, but everyone else was, was injured. Why wouldn't he want to spend another year on loan at Hearts? Because you know exactly how beneficial loan spells can be. Yeah, I think it's it's massively important. I think some young players get a little bit disillusioned when they go out on loan thinking, well, that's me out of sight, out of picture, and uh, I'm not in the manager's plans. But it just opens so many more doors because you're playing first-team football, You know, especially for him up here. My situation was different. I was in the, the championship at 
at air, but I think I played 36, 38 games um, that season. Got, you know, playing a Tuesday, Saturday in front of crowds. Um, you know, we had some big teams. Dundee was throwing a lot of money around. Inverness was in that league. Um, you know, playing against up and coming young players or players that have kind of, you know, fallen off the wheel a little bit and, and dropped down a level or your experienced pros who are just coming towards their end of the career. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I learned more in those sort of 36 games than that I definitely would have learned from if I'd made, you know, five, six appearances for Hearts that season. So, um, you know, for that aspect, if you, if you were, if you were at somewhere that you're playing, you're scoring, you're happy, um, you know, I think it ticks all the boxes for him to definitely try and stay another season, especially if, like you said, you got that European football, you know, you're expecting hearts even this season in the, in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, hopefully finals, big games on TV. Um, yeah, I definitely can't see that being a, a bad option for him to spend another year there. So I would also, Mark, Mark I was going to say, this is, I'm in the minority with, and my pals with this one, and speaking of loan spells, I would keep trying to keep Ben Woodburn. I think he is out of contract at Liverpool. I would, That's I would go to Why? I, I, would go to, I would go to Ben Woodburn and say, right, you've bounced about. He, he's not going to, he's not going to play for Liverpool. He's bounced about in different loan spells. He's never been settled. Ben Woodburn to me has something. I'm not quite sure what it is or where it is. But I, if I was Hearts, I would go to him and say, right, here's a con, a two or three year contract. Again, you're not going to be the top earner at the club, and he would have to take a massive drop from the contract he's on. You're not going to be the top earner at the club. Maybe an incentive-based contract and say, why don't you stay here and try and develop? And it'll be a project for the Hearts coaching team to try and develop them because I think he, I think he has more development potential than, you know, younger, you know, young players at the club. You know, he's a 22-year-old, I think now. I don't think there's a 22-year-old at Hearts who has the development potential he has. So why don't the club try and get him back to a player who can be an asset that, that they can sell? And it's a bit of a project for Hearts. For him, again, he knows the environment. He seems popular guy around the club. He can be settled in Edinburgh. Why doesn't he try and, and just stay where he is and, and reboot his career rather than going and signing for, I don't know what he would get, a League One club or something like that? I, I don't know if that was any point for him. So I would I would do that. Now, I don't know they're thinking about that at all and I have no suggestion that's what they want to do. But I think there's a bit of merit in trying to keep and develop Ben Woodburn. Ryan? It's a very interesting point. Um, and it's one as, you know, I've experienced change rooms where where players do f feel that, you know, that they almost don't want to go back to their parent club or they have that unknown of, yeah, I am out of contract this season. Um, you know, I'm comfortable here. The majority of players at Hearts will be there next season. Uh, you know, there's a, a possibility of them having a tremendous season this year, finishing third and winning a cup. He would be probably looking at it being like, this could be my best option. Um, for next season, you know, not so much at wage cut. He could just be looking at it as this is a great option for me. This is the place that I want to try and play. And I do think people forget his age. Um, and I think he's probably struggled a little bit with, you know, the pace of the game in Scotland and possibly yeah. even the, the sort of Liverpool tag on him. You know, I felt that his first, you know, 10 or 12 appearances, he was almost trying too hard. He felt that he had to do something in, in every game. And, um, you know, now that he's a little bit more settled, if he has his future sorted out, then definitely there could be a, a player in there. You know, he has shown in small parts of, of this season the type of player he is and, and the type of player that he can be. But, um, yeah, definitely valid points there. 
intriguing point. I mean, he's done well when he's played for, for Wales, but if you keep him, Ewan, he's not starting, is he? Or does he have to show something before he can start? Would you keep him as a squad player? Yeah, but again, that becomes a challenge to him, right? I mean, he he his career is strange in the sense that he had that massive impact early on at Liverpool. And, and I, I think that must, that's what Ryan said, the Liverpool tag, that must be quite difficult in a lot of ways. And, it, and it, it's become clear with him over time, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to have a long-term future at Liverpool, bluntly. Um, and, and he's now, he's at a big club where there are big expectations and he's thrown into playing quite a lot. And I would imagine for him that's quite difficult. That's been an adjustment. So, mm-hmm. as I say, you mentioned Wales, that's another good point. Why didn't you say to him, why, you know, he's not, I saw he's not in the latest Wales squad name today for the, the playoffs. Why didn't you say, right, stay here, why you, you know, get back in the Wales squad, get into our team. Um, become a player that we can sell for whatever it might be a million pounds it doesn't matter be that asset and there's plenty of time for him to do that to me he has a very good touch you saw him for the, the second goal on, on Saturday he has excellent movement he is a good dribbler including in tight spaces I think at times he doesn't release the ball early enough and he, and he knows where the goal is he, to me he just has attributes that would be worth persisting with and I would be interested to see how the coaching staff could develop him and persist with him over a longer period of time, rather than just saying this was a means to an end this season and we'll let him go and sign for Wigan or Walsall or whatever pish it might be. Why don't we? Why don't we give it a go? Now, that, that's as I say, I'm in a minority, but it's just my attitude. No, I think I think it's a, it's an interesting point. I mean, 22 games for Hearts um, in the league this season. He started 14 times. He's been subbed on 13 occasions, so he's only once played the full 90 minutes. For Hearts, and he's come on on eight occasions, and he's scored uh, three goals, and, and twelve times he's he's not come off the bench. So yeah, you, even you, I've you just won't... looked at. Sorry, Mark, I've just looked up his his stats. There, he's played more games for Hearts than he has his whole career. Correct. Oh, not not just off. So that's, that's, that must be a, that's an adjustment, right? It, it, that be, that would be easy for him. Yeah, that and and that's probably explains a whole lot. He's he played seven on loan to Sheffield United, eleven on loan to. Oxford and ten at Blackpool, so even there, it, it's probably a step up from what he's been playing. He's played eleven games for for Wales, but you know you'd fancy Hearts to beat Oxford and Sheffield United at the moment, and probably Blackpool, wouldn't you? To be honest, so he's probably at he's be thinking, yeah, this is a great opportunity for me to to kick on. And and like you said, if he's playing week in week out at Hearts or even a bit part player playing games here and there. It will give him a better chance playing in uh, playing at Hearts getting into that Wales squad than it would be at an Oxford United again. I just I think it depends on what other options are available because I think we've seen so far that Hearts recruitment over the past 12, 18 months has been pretty good. So yeah, I mean you can incentivize. Look, Jamie Walker's come out and said he wants to 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 kind of come back to Hearts and and try and win a a place back in the team when his loan at Bradford ends. So look, there, there, there's a lot going on. Um, I think what's true is that there isn't one player who has made that position their own opposite Barry Mackay on the other side of Liam Boyce with Ellis Sims playing through the middle. Interesting conversation to have. Um, yeah, you might be in the minority, but you can't just shut the door on someone. I think you need to show a bit more um, than, than, than he's kind of shown. So Hearts win it 4-2. And I know Ryan's desperate to have some quick-fire questions with you, Mr. Murray, in just a second. But I want to go completely off tangent. I saw the most bizarre photo. I was like, hold on, that looks like Ivano Bonetti. And it was. 
He arrived at <laughs> Dens Park for Dundee against Rangers like 15 minutes from halftime, made the halftime draw. He's heading down to Grimsby and doing stuff um, for some night out. And I, it just kind of got me thinking, that was one of the most bizarre times in Scottish football when Canigia arrived and then Ravanelli arrived. And it was just, it was weird that when the Italian influence came on. And on Sky right now, there's a documentary about Giovanni Di Stefano, which I would highly urge you, if you get the chance to, to watch, about how Di Stefano... Um, decided he wanted to represent Arkan and Saddam Hussein and, and everything like that. It, it, it had a fragrance of potential illegality at the time. That's not what the tangent is about. The tangent is about if you got to wind the clock back, Mr. Murray, to a specific era that you were part of as a, as a supporter that you remember fondly, if Dundee had Bonetti and Ravenelli and Kinesia, what would your time frame be? What season would you want to go back to if you were to turn the clock back in your Bonetti moment? You just mean a very good team, or you mean madcap stuff happening? Whatever you want. A time you remember fondly because it was either great to watch or it was just fucking nuts. Um, well, there's plenty of the latter, wasn't there? Um, the, 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 season, the season that was so enjoyable was 97-98, and that, that team were terrific to watch. Um and you could name the right back change now and again, but you could pretty much change the rest of the team. They played a kind of four-three-three. Um, probably that's that. I, I look back, you know, the game of Kilmarnock five-three. Um, going to Ibrox, you know, it was sore at the time. A two-all draw, but a great performance. Drawing one all at Celtic Park, being unlucky, going there and having a real go. Um, probably that. You you could say, you could say oh five oh six, but because that kind of fizzled out to an extent after Christmas and New Year. Um, and, and I can't decry the team that you and I grew up watching in the 80s, which, again, didn't really change. I mean, there was there was some fantastic mm. times with them. But, uh, I mean, if you ask me to pinpoint a season, 97, 98 is the one I think of. Despite the... You look back, there's a frustration that they, they could and maybe should have won the league. They didn't finish it that well, but it didn't matter because of what happened in the, the cup final. But that was a team that was... Um, that was terrific to watch, and a lot of them went on and, and you know made good money for the club. So that showed that they were they were a decent team beyond what, what we thought of them. I think I think we're lucky as, as supporters of a, a certain vintage, and we, we've seen a lot of of kind of moments at times we never thought we would see. 88-89 for me when we reached the quarterfinals against against Bayern. That that was just me as a young kid, bright eyed, bushy tailed, desperate to get to Tyne Castle. The atmosphere in that kind of that run in Europe, 97-98 was great, 05-06, what might have been, Ryan's team won in the Cup. What would your season be, Ryan, if you were to turn the clock back, one that you remember fondly for whatever reason? Uh, yeah, it'd be 11-12 when we won the Cup, um, just because I wish I kept the diary for that season. I wish I kept the diary for my whole Hearts career, to be honest, because I feel like I was involved or part of some absolute crazy times that I've yet to see since I've left. But um, yeah, that, that season, it probably wasn't the greatest um, in terms of, you know, league performances. I think we finished fifth or sixth in the league, but you know, we had some, some really good, oh, probably 2012, the, the actual calendar year was very good. Cause then we had, um, you know, Liverpool the, the following season, um, which were great games and the semi-final against Celtic. There were so many, um, good memories and, and I think a lot of Hearts fans when they look back to that 
I've been very lucky enough that sort of all those games that people remember fondly I was involved in and, and that's something that yeah you know coming up to the anniversary is, is something I look back on and would love to turn the clock back and, and be back playing. Okay, let us know what your kind of favourite season was. It doesn't have to be a successful season, just one that you fondly remember, whether it's a personal thing or whatever, at Around the Funnel or get in touch via the website. Right, Gowser, what have you got for Mr. Murray? You've been doing your homework. Yes, I've just got a few quick-fire questions for you, Mr. Murray. Um, your best day out supporting Hearts. And that could be mm-hmm. either performance, it could be an away trip, it could be a good story from uh, too many beverages. What was your best day out? <laughs> you know me well. Um, probably, God, I wish I had time to think about this, I could come up with a lot. Probably yeah, European trips. I mean, thinking back, even Stuttgart, Bordeaux, Liverpool, Tottenham more recently, a lot of ones in the middle. Best day out. Come back to me on that. Next, go to the okay. next one. I've, I've had, the problem is I've had a lot of days out. Yeah, <laughs> that probably explains it. First ever game, first ever Hearts game. Can you remember it? Uh, that was yeah, I do remember it. That was a Scottish Cup tie against Motherwell, nineteen eighty, mid eighties. It was a one 0 draw. Hearts won the replay. Um, yeah, I remember the I remember the game. I remember going. I don't remember much about the game, but I remember the occasion. I still have the. We sat in the centre stand. I still have the the tickets in my in my bedroom at home. Yeah. First uh, favorite ever player. John Robertson. Lowest point as a Hearts fan? Uh, that's another good question. Full of good Lowest questions. <laughs> it seems it seems silly putting this as a lowest point, but I remember being really, really scunnered after the League Cup final defeat to St Mirren because I've never seen Hearts win the League Cup and um, that, ch- that day was the ideal chance to, to go and win it. I can still see John Sutton said that at the back post that um, should have made it 2 nothing, And and I was so desperate to see Hearts win the League Cup. And actually, I'm not sure we've been particularly close since. That was, what, 2013, I think. Yeah. Um, I remember being especially down after that game. And again, that seems funny to say because there's been all sorts of low moments in terms of the position the club is in off the pitch. But if I bring it down to one day and, and one... Game that similar League Cup final, I think March 2013. That was um, that stung a lot and, and still stings because I think you know the, the League Cup record's terrible for a club of heart size. So that that would be one probably. Yeah. Where do you see Hearts in ten years' time? That's a good question. I mean, we keep hearing all this thing about the the landscape of European football is going to change, and are we going to be? involved in cross-border leagues and all this kind of stuff. I think, I mean, 10 years is a long time, but I think the club now is in a very, very solid footing off the pitch in terms of establishing itself clearly as the next best team outside the old firm. And it comes back to what we were talking about earlier with if they can make good decisions with that European revenue and then keep that coming year on year. Mm-hmm. I think there's no reason why the club should be in a very, very good place. Clearly the third um, established team and club in the country and I would hope you know that I know the club Andrew McKinley has made noises but European football landscape might change I don't know if the conference league is designed to kind of you know solve some problems in that regard but I would hope if there's a a European shake-up 
that Hearts are certainly in a strong enough and a prominent, prominent enough position that they'd be firmly involved in that. And last one, if you could sign one player from Scotland currently, who would it be and why? So John Stewart doesn't count, right? Is he still a Hearts player? <laughs> well, well, yeah, he could, yeah. <laughs> uh, one player in Scotland, probably... Mm-hmm. You'd have to say Kyogo, wouldn't you, really, given what he's done at Celtic? I think he's different as an attacking player. I think is, that, is it is it realistic, Ryan, or is it just no, no? It's you just want? yeah. Any anyone that's currently playing in Scotland, so wages, yeah, salary, yeah. that's not an issue. It's just who um, you, who you would pick for Hearts that you'd think would take them to that next level. I think I think you always look at forward players and make that difference, right? Kyogo to me is one who is if you can keep him fit, of course, but he 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 is he is yeah. That that would be the one for me. But it's not actually what I think. The big issue for next season is that. The team needs John Stewart is going to be a massive um, guy to replace in terms of his role in the team. That, so I don't actually look around Scotland. I, I, I genuinely wouldn't swap Connor Goldson and say I'll take him for John Suter. And I think Rangers fans will realise how good John Suter is when he's in that team. Yeah. So 100%. I don't see someone, including the Celtic, who is good enough to come and um, be that player. But that's not what you asked me. If it was one player, I would I would say I would say Kyogo. Who would you Mark, sign, Ryan? Um, Mark, who would you sign? I mean, he's different. I was watching his goals earlier in the in the League Cup final against against Hibs. He he he, he's, he thinks two or three seconds ahead of everybody else. And yeah. I, I think an interesting kind of tweak to that question, realistically, who could Hart sign? The kid, Regan Charles Cook at, at, at Ross County, is he someone that could make Hearts better? Do you think from, well, from what you've seen? I'm I'm intrigued by him and I'm not sure because if you look at his career, I mean he's a, he's a he was where was it, Solihull Motors and Loan, he's had a string of kind of strange loan deals. And there's nothing in his career so far that shows that this kind of season was going to happen. So the question is, is this a flash in the pan? Or is he just is something just clicked? And and I don't know the answer to that, but he's going to be very interesting in terms of one, what level level of club says, yeah, he can come and play here. And two, can he go and, and, and do it again? I, I would be slightly concerned that his career thus far suggests he's not going to make that step up very easily. But that's a sceptical viewpoint. He, he's one. He's an interesting one for me. Yeah, I, always, I think it'd be very interesting. Yeah, and Ewan's right. We, we just don't know. I've, I've always said, and I, I don't see to an extent, Ross County as a rival. But I always think there's a, there's like a, a double whammy when you can sign a player from someone else in the league who has done well for that club. Not only are you hopefully getting a decent player, but you're weakening the opposition. And I'm looking right now at the top scorers in the Premier League, and, and I know Kyogo's been injured. I mean, Morelos, is it is it Rangers? He's on the list. Ramirez at Aberdeen. But Regan Charles Cook is, is top scorer. He's got yeah. the first goal six times this season. He scored 13. Only one of them is a penalty. Bruce Anderson at Livingston. I'm not saying go and sign these players, but th- this isn't what you expect. People thought, well, oh. oh, Morelos would, would, would be up there. Of course he would be. And you have, well, to, you have to, do, do you know who well, the top well, scorer for Celtic is this season, by the way, in the league? Is it Abada? It is. With nine yeah. goals. I mean, it's I, mean I was thinking last week, 
actually when I was away about you know player of the year in Scotland this year and to me it's not particularly easy Kyogo has to be there although he's missed a lot this season Craig Gordon I think Craig Gordon has to be there I think now I would argue if, if this guy Charles Cook scores the goals he scored for Ross County by implication there well, well I, I think so I think you can make that case but what I meant was beyond I, I said straight away Kyogo and Gordon but there's then about another including Hearts players I would say Kingsley certainly Halkett there's then another mm-hmm. 10 players there must be Rangers players who you'd say they, they would be in that mix but it's not particularly obvious some years it's very obvious who the player of the year candidates will be it's not this season no yeah. very interesting would you, would you go for him Ryan Regan Charles yeah. Cook yep well, think of a sort of... He is out of contract, four. isn't he, in, in the summer? Yeah, I think so. A front, you could play him off the left and say you get Sims. You've got Boyce behind Sims with Mackay and him on the other side. It's a, a pretty potent or pretty that's attacking pacey. front four, isn't it? Yeah. It's and that's as well. And, and pace is so, so, so important. You know, uh, next season, hopefully we'll have European games and, and in European games, pace is the most important thing to have. And if you've got that front four you're going to away games knowing if you can keep a clean sheet that one of those four is going to hopefully get you a goal and um, yeah I think that's just a really appealing front four if that can happen Who who would be your player Ryan within reason um, and I, I know your kind of question was any player you want but within Hearts kind of budget that you think would strengthen them from, yeah, from I, the rest I of think, the league I think Charles Cook would be would be one it, it kind of comes under that low risk um, signing as well because he's played against all these the teams that you, you're going to play next season and you'd like to think that being at a bigger club surrounded by better players would bring more out of him and if it doesn't you know you, he's not going to be on silly wages at Ross County so it's not as if he's going to instantly come to hearts and be a, a high earner and have the pressure of that um, you know, and, and he could flourish because you know, at Ross County, he's the one that if you're playing against him, everyone's wary of him. If he comes to Hearts, he's maybe third on the line. You know, possibly he, he wouldn't be the well. Initially, he wouldn't be the one that everyone's thinking we need to stop, which can sometimes help those forward players because you know the defense is possibly looking elsewhere. And we've got history of signing a former Ross County player, albeit not directly, because he had a spell at Burton in between. But Liam Boyce. Mm-hmm. Did well at Ross County uh, and scored, I mean, 23 goals in 34 games on the back of 15 and 10 the, the season before. Maybe there's an element, you of, of kind of snobbery among some. I'm not saying Hearts supporters or I'm just saying among football fans that well, why should Hearts be looking at at um, players from, from Ross County? But, I mean, as Ryan said, there's, there are players out there that won't cost you much. They're low risk but they could lead to high reward. And, and that's what that football club is, is, is trying to do right now. Take a player, make them better, sell them for a profit. That's how football economics works. 100%. And I don't at all mean to be snobby. I mean, that's how the, the ecosystem of football, Hearts have their place, Ross County have their place, Rangers have their place. That, that, yeah, that's how it works. I think Boyce is a bit different in that he'd, um, he's probably at Ross County for two or three seasons and scored a lot of goals. And he'd... Mm-hmm. He'd been a bit of a wonder kid. He went to Germany didn't, and it didn't work out. He he had a bit more behind him. I, I, I should have looked, but I look at I've had a look at Charles Cook's run of clubs. Oh, there's and, been nothing, nothing so yeah. far that tells you that this was going to happen. That's that. As I say, that's my only. As people who are 
paid a lot more money than me, recruitment guys and, and talent spotters would tell you whether this is what he's going to be like now, but I would be slightly concerned that this is the exception rather than than mm-hmm. the rule. So, you know, whatever happens, whether Hart sign him or not, it'd be interesting to see where he goes and what he, mm-hmm. what he does. And you hope that reflects well in the league, actually. You hope mm-hmm. that what he does is backed up by going somewhere else, wherever it is, and doing well, because that shows he did it at a decent level in Scotland and could do it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I just have a slight question mark over him. That's fair. Um, he's certainly he's, he's certainly low risk. Um, just wrapping up the, the, the St Mirren victory, I, I wonder how many people who, when it was first announced that the game would be on a Saturday evening, were saying they were inconvenienced by that, were pleasantly <laughs> surprised uh, that the raucous atmosphere, no doubt suitably um, imbibed by plenty alcohol, is Saturday night football something that TV companies should be looking at you to with knowing fine well that most of the time that Scottish football is live on TV on Sky, it's going up against uh, a bigger game from, from England. Is, is is Saturday night an option for us? Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, taking the position that nothing beats three o'clock on, on Saturday, uh, Saturday night to me is preferable to early on a Sunday where I think a lot of the games can lack atmosphere and be flat. It's again. I was thousands of miles away, but I haven't watched it. it, it the atmosphere sounded very good on, on Saturday, and not with a full stadium. Um, whether the police would have concerns over, you know, maybe games of bigger standing happening at that time, I, I don't know. But yeah, it, I mean, put it this way, compared to a lot of other slots that are used, I think that fits in the kind of more favourable end of the, the category. Ryan, you you playing you played Tuesday in a cup final, a kind of what was that mm-hmm. six twenty local time kickoff. What what's your preference for for kickoff time uh, and and day of the week if you play? I like night games. Um, I definitely like night games. And and what I s- sometimes struggle with, you know, the police have that concern, but they don't particularly have that concern for European games. You know, it's not as if there's never a game at seven thirty or seven forty-five. The only difference is, of course, it's a Saturday. But um, I think sometimes you just need to give it the benefit of the doubt. There's there's not going to be very rarely will there be mass riots because everyone's been drinking. You know, it, most it's of the time... It's not a problem in Kuwait, is it? It's, it's definitely not a problem over here. But <laughs> I just think that, you know, sometimes it really bugs me, this, this the cup semi-final at 12... I think, it, what is it, 12.30 or 12, quarter past 12? 12, 12, 12, 12, 12.15 on a Saturday. It, it bugs you because... It just defeats the whole purpose of what fans look forward to. You know, like I was at the last, well, one of the Scottish Cups when Celtic beat Hearts. And I love that day because I think we got that eight o'clock train through to Glasgow. Everyone's, you know, everyone's packed and you're going into pubs. There's Celtic pubs, there's Hearts pubs, there's pubs where both sets of supporters are in. Everyone's just having that good, good day. You have a nice meal, four or five hours drinking, head off to Hamden, watch the game. It, it, it's just that whole, that's what you want to bring. You have kids that have come through at a reasonable time. You have the adults that have a good time. It's just a much better place than everyone rushing. It, listen, if you're going to be drunk for a three o'clock kickoff and that's your main goal, then you're definitely going to be drunk for a 12-15 kickoff. It's just right. that that's what's going to happen. So I, I just don't understand the police rules, but they think that two hours difference is, is going to cause massive issues and have riots all over the place. I just don't right, see let, the let's, let's set the record straight here. Um, both games are going to be live on television. right? Premier Sports are the host broadcaster. 
Um, they will have exclusive uh, coverage of the, the the Celtic Rangers game, and they and BBC will both broadcast the Saturday game. This isn't new. You go back before COVID, the semi-finals took place at 12.15 on a Saturday, the first one, and the second one was either 2 o'clock or 2.30 on a Sunday. You can't play any later than 12.15, i.e. before 3 o'clock, in case it goes to extra time and penalties, because we still have this draconian, you can't show live football between the certain window. It is. It's, it, it, I just want to kind of let you know why. Um, so it's happened before. It'll continue to happen next season. The Saturday one is likely to be 12.15. The only one you could argue with is, could it not be Saturday evening and a 5.30? That would be the one that you're kind of wondering, would you or wouldn't you? Would 5.30 on a Saturday night be preferable for you, Ryan? Or yeah. I'd much be- rather that than a quarter past 12. <laughs> As in, uh, uh, even from a playing point of view, to a um, supporting point of view. Would, would the Glasgow better. police allow that, Ewan? Hearts and heads, yeah. 5.30? Uh, no, far be it for me to stick up for them. But, I, I mean, yeah, 5.30, but that would suit that would be far better for me as well. But I understand why there would be, um, what should we say, public service concerns <laughs> over that <laughs> kick-off. Um, and, and, yeah, listen, Mark, you're right. It's dictated to by TV, and I, I kind of, Shrug my shoulders now and accept that that's what it's going to be. I think what's interesting actually about this is that the ticket prices, whereby Hearts and Hibs have both said, you know, we made the point that this was too expensive, but both mm-hmm. semi-finals have to be the same. Yes. And obviously the SFA are well aware that, you know, Rangers Celtic's going to sell out regardless of where they play and when they play in the semi-final and, and they'll have to be priced the same. So so we kind of have it, to go on with it. And, it, so, and it's that, pulled. The revenue is, yeah. is pulled. Um, for, the, for the, the, the tickets and everything. Given the... Um, well, it's never happened before, has it? I mean, this is this is should be as lucrative two semi-finals as you could possibly get. But mm-hmm. um, and I also say this, I'm aware that Tynecastle, I think it's too expensive in terms of walk-up tickets. I think the Scottish Premier League in general is too expensive in terms of walk-up tickets. But I find it interesting that, that half the semi-finalists said we think this is wrong and, mm-hmm. and obviously they're told they have to get on with it. Cynically, on the basis that they will know that the other game is going to sell out at 35 quid a ticket or whatever else it is, so you just have to go on with it. Would either you, of you, you would either of you have preferred Murrayfield? I'm happy it's it's at Hamden. Um, would 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 you two have preferred Murrayfield at all, or are you you happy as well at Hamden? Uh, I see. I think if it was a final. There's probably a case to have it at Murrayfield. I think there's more of a case has... if it's a final. What's that? I think there's more of a case if there's a final, yeah. but the SFA would never allow that because it happens their show their showpiece. That's the thing. It wouldn't happen. And I'm also conscious that a lot of the time players and people involved say they want to play at Hamden. Um and given Hart's record against this particular opposition at Hamden, I'm, I think that's fine. But again, if I look at it from a broader perspective, is it a sensible strain on resources on trains and police and everything else to be hauling 50,000 people through from Edinburgh to Glasgow? Probably not. Um, but I, I just don't see Murrayfield as a feasible option, so I haven't really given it much much of a thought, to be honest. It probably makes more practical sense, mm-hmm. but that's not how it works. Brian? Uh, I think as a player, you just want to play in the, the best atmosphere. That's going to be Murray. If you were to say you're playing at Hampton at 12.15 on a Saturday and it's possibly 80% 
capacity or you could play at 12.15 or Mur- not saying that there would be more fans if it's the games at Murrayfield but if that was then a sellout then you'd want to be playing where the where the most fans are but interesting you said um, you went about the ticket pricing do you th- feel that it may not be a sellout for the Hearts Hibs game? Yeah I was working on the basis it automatically would be and and actually bluntly again when I place it in the context of what other games in Scotland cost I'm not sure it is actually too high, but the, the clubs obviously feel differently. It just intrigued me, that was all. And I thought, yeah, well, you're locked into, you know, the other game has to be the same as the other game. The other game is going to sell out. I would think this one, by the time it comes around, will sell out, although semi-final attendances can be strange. But this is a, you know, this is a different kind of occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think it'll be, I can't speak for the hip support end of it. I don't, we can claim to know enough, but I think Hearts should sell whatever it is, 22,000 tickets or 25,000 tickets for this game. I, th- I think if it's not a sellout, and, and I don't want this to have to end up having egg on my face or whatever, but given the record, I think if it isn't a sellout, the unsold tickets will be in the Hibernian end. Is that fair? History suggests. Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, that, you know, assessing hip supporters and their ticket buying policies isn't one of my strong points. But <laughs> no, no. Well, the the last time Hearts played Hibs in a cup semi final in front of fans was two thousand and six. Correct? Because the yeah. cup final was was twelve. That was sold out. But the last time they played in front of fans in a semi final at Hamden, you want to take a guess as to the crowd in April two thousand and six? Yeah, I was there. I should know. Before you tell me this, that the kind of dynamic, this is why the dynamics of the team is quite important. I mean, Hearts were, things were still kind of upbeat. Hearts were expected to win. Hearts are a stronger team. I think that feeds into it a little bit. Results sometimes in the lead up to it and how confident you are. So I think Hibs that day were, it turned out quite rightly, huge underdogs and that's how it played out. But I think, I think, I don't often disagree with, I don't often agree with this. It doesn't apply to me, but I think sometimes the psychology of the supporters is, when it's a bit of an excuse not to go if your team's not quite doing so well or has less chance of winning. And I think Hibs had a bit of that that day, Mark, from memory. Mm-hmm. 43,180. So there was 8,000 empty seats that day. Mm-hmm. So there's no guarantee it'll be sold out. I, mm-hmm. I, again, I think I think Craig Levine was asked about this on, on the BBC, is it a good draw for Hearts? And he said it, it was. I think it's a good draw for Hibs as well. I think it gives Hibs the best chance of reaching the final and it gives Hearts the best chance of, of reaching the final. Um, and and th- that's not even much of an argument. So Hibs will be quietly confident as well. They'll be letting Hearts do all the crowing and, and we'll see what, what they can offer um, when they show up. But I, I think it'll be close to a sellout. Uh, I don't know if Hearts will sell all their tickets. I hope so. But I, I, I'd be surprised if, 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 it was, if there were more than 50,000 at the game. So this weekend at Tyne Castle in Hearts Face Livingston, it's the sixth Big Hearts Day. Ryan, what's this all about? Yeah, the event aims to raise awareness for Big Hearts Welcome Through Football Project. It consists of football-based activities supporting social inclusion and access to education for the refugees and asylum seekers aged between 7 and 25 who have recently arrived in Edinburgh. Tyne Castle is the first stadium in Scotland delivering this project and Big Hearts work with eight football clubs from six different countries to develop an international framework in supporting refugees. Big Hearts is the club charity operating from the stadium and it supports 220 plus people every single week. Their mission is to help children and adults live in a safe and fulfilling life. 
They run free programs focused on mental health, social connections, and equal opportunities. To support Big Hearts, on your phone, send a text with the word Big Hearts, no space, to the number 70085 for a single £5 donation. Or visit www.bigheartz.org.uk to donate online. The money raised will help support young refugees from all countries as they rebuild their lives in Edinburgh. A portion would go to Livy Stadium in Ukraine, now a shelter for displaced people. And I just think that's a you know a really fantastic thing that that Hearts are doing. And um, I've seen the strip that they're going to be uh, wearing at the weekend, yeah. which is uh, pretty impressive. So. Um, yeah, let's hope that everyone will get around this cause. And, you know, with the issues that are going on in the world, it's um, it's really good to see Hearts and, and the ch- people that work for Big Hearts doing this at the weekend. Yeah, Hearts are going to wear their, their third kit. Normally it doesn't come with, with a logo on the front. However, it will this weekend. Um, and this isn't just something that is, is reaction or reactive to, to no. recent uh, global events. This is the sixth time that Hearts have held a, a big Hearts day. And, and you, you'll know, as, as someone that not only played for the football club, but a fair bit of your spare time was mm-hmm. spent, whether it was at hospitals, whether it was helping the, the community as well. And th- this club gets it. Our club gets it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, when I was when I was at Hearts, I was actually the ambassador for the, the charity. So um, I, used to, I used to really enjoy doing you know all that sort of stuff going to the enjoy is probably not the right word but um i found it very rewarding you know going to to these places um you know the hospitals around christmas and, and you know the players used to chip in i'm sure they still do it now and and buy presents or um there were lots of like breakfast clubs at primary schools and um you know it, it just used to make me feel really proud to be involved in the club that when I used to go there representing the club to see how much um, happiness and how much, you know, all those kids or adults that had problems going in their lives, they used to kind of forget about it while we were there. You know, different players would be there. They would ask us questions. We would help out. We'd be there to to do stuff. And it just raises awareness to to loads of different people and, and people that are suffering. And, um, yeah, I, I would encourage everyone to to donate if you can. Um, and, and if you can't, then even just to spread the awareness and, and to just to be there and help support. And it's, it is truly, you know, what makes Hearts such a great club is, is these things that they do. And, um, yeah, it, it's just really impressive. And, and as Ryan says, look, whether you do or, or whether you can't afford to donate, do check out www.bighearts.org. UK. And you can find out more about the charity there. If you're on Twitter, you can go and add at Big Hearts and follow them. And Facebook, Instagram is at Big Hearts Community. It's the sixth Big Hearts Day this weekend. Hearts against Livingston at Tynecastle. Okay, let's wrap up this week's Scarves Around the Funnel podcast. Thanks, as always, to Mr. McGowan and to Mr. Ewan Murray by previewing the game on Saturday against Livingston. Three points in this one. Does that secure pretty much third spot, Ryan? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just it's only a matter of time, but the quicker that they, they do it, then hopefully it's a more opportunity for players like McInerve to, to get more of a game time. But I also think that Hearts will be delighted with Hibbs 
in the semi-final because it just dangles that carrot of, you know, there'll be no resting on on the season gone by. Everyone will be really geared up to wanting to be involved in in that semi-final as a showpiece game so far of the season. So um, I think from a Hearts point of view, that's that's definitely going to keep everyone on their toes leading into that game. Ewan, is it third spot wrapped up if Hearts can beat Livy? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, it, it should be. I mean, if they don't wrap it up from here, it's going to be an all-time implosion. Um, but yeah, I, I think one or two wins more actually would completely seal it. It'll be a tough game. I thought the, the cup game against Livingston, I didn't think Hearts played badly. Um, they're not bad. No, but that day reminded me they're very difficult to play against. Yes, and again, I don't yes. want to be I don't want to be patronising, but they do the basic things so well. They put bodies on the line, um, get behind the ball. They work great spirit, great attitude. That day, that's got a couple of chances. That the cup game that they should have done a bit better with Anderson. You mentioned is uh, is doing very well in front of goal. So you know, I, I always find games against Livingston. Good to watch, intriguing to watch because of the way the way they play. They give they give you absolutely nothing. You have to work for everything. So um, I don't expect Saturday will be any different. But I think Ryan's points a very good one. That that cup semi final on the horizon, even for the boys who are injured. You know, I saw Robbie said hoping to get John Stewart and Cammy Devlin back from you know around the either the Hibs League game and the Hibs semi final. It's a massive target for them to get back mm-hmm. to be involved in that, and, and that can only help. And it can only help the guys playing the team to say. We want to keep our standards high to be involved in that massive occasion. So Plus I think that is he, a- he's expecting a few back as well that, that missed the, the cup tie against St. Mirren. And one of the other things about the position the Hearts find themselves in is that the teams around each other, around Hearts, um, are, are separated by just a, a couple of points, one point between fourth and ninth. And you look at the fixtures this weekend, Right, Aberdeen against Hibs. That's not easy for Hibs, and they're currently Hearts' nearest challengers. Hearts play Livingston, who are in fifth. Ross County go to Celtic. Dundee United are at St Mirren, two sides that are on the same number of points. And Mother will go to St Johnson, who are fighting for their lives. And I don't think it's any surprise that in three of the last four game weeks in the Premiership, half of the matches have been draws. Three mm. out of six in three of the last four game week. So I think Hearts have benefited from when they've perhaps not been at their best this season, still finding out that they've increased their lead with a draw rather than okay, teams are now starting to, to play catch up. It's going to be tight, isn't it, for that uh, for that top six race and thankfully you and Hearts don't need to worry about that. No, I could um, you could set me off here and why another reason why the, the split is, a, is an utter joke because what's going to happen is um Teams seven, eight, nine, and ten probably, who ordinarily you know they'd be within touching distance of fourth place, which is European football. They're going to have their season, and they're not going to get well, maybe tenth, but you wouldn't think so. They're not going to get hauled in the relegation situation. Their season is basically going to be stopped at thirty-three games, and this season, to me, that'll that'll expose that as unfair because these teams are, you yes. know, you've mentioned it. They're so close, and you're, the split happens just because of when it happens. And you then have the kind of nonsense with fixtures that goes on thereafter. But these teams are so close that you're stopping teams in the bottom half of the league who, in a normal, sensible league environment, would finish the season with a chance of going for Europe. But anyway, that's You're going to end up with a team that's going to be in seventh at the end of the season with way more points than the team that's going to be in sixth. But for sure, yeah. That, but you're, you're, it's just the fact that it's for people going to the games. You, if they're seventh or eighth, 
or ninth, the season's done. You know, what's the point yeah. of going to these games over the last mm-hmm. few games of the season? I, I wouldn't yeah. be at all motivated or inclined to go. I'd probably, my season ticket, I'd probably go to the home games, but what's the point of going to a lot of these games when, mm. the, when the split happens? Your season's finished. And it's finished on the basis of 33 games and a points differential that could be, yeah. you know, from ninth to fourth, could be one or two points. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that to me is silly, but anyway, separate point. Okay. Okay, Hearts, Livingston, score and scorers. Let's start with Ryan. I'm going to go 2 0 Hearts with Sims getting both. My boy Sims. Okay, Ewan? Is this the week? Is Barry Mackay going to score? <laughs> well, well we, we tried the reverse curse last week. No one was allowed to see him because we thought he would score and, and he didn't. So you're, you're allowed to see him now. I've got a is the stat not that the last 10 goals have come from different players? Is that right? Yeah, I think. 10 different players. Yeah, I've seen that on Twitter. Um, I've, gone from, I've gone from being frustrated at Barry Mackay to now feeling a bit sorry for him because I think he's done everything but score and he hasn't done very much wrong and hasn't scored in a, in a few recent games. So um, I'll leave him out of it. I'll go... I think it'll be tighter than that. I'll go 2-1 to Hearts. Goal scorers, Craig Halkett and Liam Boyce. Okay, I'll go 1 0. I think it'll be as tight as the, the cup tie. And I think McInef, uh will take his chance and he'll start and score the only goal. Well, we're hoping to, to welcome back Laurie Dunsar over the next couple of weeks, but we've, we've been a wee bit cheeky, Ryan. We've kind of taken advantage of, um, of, of a little bit of freestyle over the past couple of weeks. And we introduced any other business at the end of the podcast. So, yes. you, got, you got any other business this week? I do, I do. I have a little quiz for you two Hearts fans. And (laughs) after listening to your two talking about the mid-80s, my quiz is mainly around the 2000s, give or take. When you were actually born and alive. Yes, I was alive. So um, we'll do it just the fastest one. So whoever answers first, there's a couple of questions that um, have multiple answers and I'll, I'll tell you those rules when we get to them. But first question, answer with your name also, because okay. there's no buzzers. The 98-99 season, Hearts finished in what position? Mark, sixth. Oh, it was close, but it was sixth. So you yes. one, nil. one nil to Ewan. Hearts top goal scorer in the season 2000-2001. Before you answer, it's a bonus point for how many goals? What question that is? Oy, oy, oy. It's not easy here. Great. Uh, Mark. Mark was first. Andy Kirk. Incorrect. <sighs> Ewan? I don't think this is right. Kevin McKenna? No. Incorrect. Back to you, Mark. Gary McSwigan. Also incorrect. <sighs> when did Craig Levine come? 2000 or 2001? I'm trying to place the season. <laughs> Mark, when did, when did he become the manager? 2000. I'm not giving you clues. You're a rival now. <laughs> well, you're trying to work it out as well. well I've, I've answered twice and got them both wrong. You've got one more to go. Back to me, is it? Um, Bye. Ricardo Fuller. Wrong. Mark. Colin Cameron. Yep. Come on, son. He's Bonus point. There. How many goals? Uh, 14. Wrong. 16 goals. So did one piece. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did he? Wow. Yeah, never get that. Many did, do you know how many Kirk got that season? I think he must have been up there. I think it was 14. 
So it was pretty I close. Okay. And by, by the way, there was a, we had a player that season. Why did we pronounce the J as a H and then the other J as a J? It's Juanjo. But someone said Juanjo and it's stuck forever. It's never <laughs> been Juanjo in his life. Sorry. I played golf with him in Barcelona once. <laughs> Did you? There's, there's too yeah. many. Listen, back on the quiz before you oh, okay. start talking about everything. Season 2000. Shout, hold, hold, hold on before you get to that. Did he shout four or cuatro? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get Laurie to edit that out. No, right. that's quite funny for me. <laughs> that's, that's, my one joke of, that's my one dad joke of the year. Right, next. Question three. Season 2000, 2001. Two future Scottish Cup winners made their debut. Who were they? Point for each. Mark, Robbie yep. Nielsen might have been one. And... Because uh, Cameron had already played. N- Nielsen, did I got a point? Is it two points up for grabs or do I need to get both? Yeah, two points up for grabs. All right, Robbie Nielsen is one. You're handing it to you Ewan? Ewan? Yep. Is it not Craig Gordon? Nope. Oh, jeez, oh. Andy Webster? Is it, is it? Andy Webster. There you go. Oh, good, good show. Point of piece. Yep, two each. Here's a little quick, who am I? Born, in, <laughs> <laughs> Born in 1984 in Heart Hill, Scotland. Made his Hearts debut in 2001 against Aberdeen. He scored six you goals had, for Hearts. You had, in, you yep. Graham Weir? Oh, very good. Wow, that's impressive. That where, one, where did you get that from, son? I knew he was from Heart Hill. Not, there's not many famous people, well, not famous, come out of Heart Hill, so that's that that put it in my head. I misheard that at first as born at Heart Hill Services. I'm like, what <laughs> he was? Well, maybe okay, okay. That's, that's very impressive. John Robertson scored his hundredth goal against who? Uh, Mark. <laughs> Sorry? Hibs. Incorrect. The year uh, is 1987. To give you as a clue. I'm guessing. The United? No. Uh, nah, it'd be, it'd be Celtic? No. Uh, just guessing. Don't know. <laughs> we should just, I'll get one more guess, right? Aberdeen. Then we can just move on. Wrong. Falkirk. You might have got <laughs> that. We eat all Since night. Is your favourite place? 98 Scottish Cup final. Who was the only player to come on for Hearts? You and Yep. Oh, come on, man. There's a delay in the line. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm in Connecticut, man. You're in the United Kingdom. Go ahead. I'm now doubting, I'm now doubting myself. Was it Jim Hamilton? Yep. Nice boy. Yeah, there he oh, goes. 4-2. 4-2. Season 05-06, which Hearts player received the most red cards? Mark Julian Brelli. Wrong. You and shit. Huh. Brelli got sent off. Is this is this League and Cup? Yep. Oh, I have to wait for him, but I've, I've got a guess. I so have I, but I don't think it's right. Oh, guess the wrong one. Feel free. <laughs> Have a guess if you want. Uh, was it Paul Hartley? Oh, fuck off! Uh, That's correct. what I was going to go for. No, come on. 5-2. <laughs> Season 
That same season, 05-06, three Hearts players scored in the Champions League. One point for each correct answer. If you get the answer right, you get the next guess. Mark. What was the the delay there? Uh, I heard Mark first. Yeah, you're behind. You carry on. (laughs) What? So in 05-06 or 06-07 when it was Champions League? Whenever they're in the Champions League. Yeah, 06. So we played Soroki Brieg at Murrayfield, I think it was. Bedar and Tom. Oh, get one. What? No, you got, yeah, you got that right. So he gets the next one. All right, okay. And it was nil-nil over there because I commentated on that one. And Miko scored against Athens. He, he gave us the lead at home. And then when we saw Jamie Mole leading the line, we knew we were going to get papped out. So Miko against Athens and Tall and Bednar. I think there was an own goal in that as well against Soroki yep. Brieg. That's a big one for you. That's three points. <gasps> is that five all? Six five, I think. Is that? Yeah, six five. Yeah, six five to you, Mark. Good, good one. You needed oh, no, that no, one. Hang on. No, it was five two. It was five two. It's now yeah. five all. No, you get three points. But you got to all three. Yeah, it was five yes, two. I only had five, two. Five five. Yep, yep, yep. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Five, five. five five five. Okay. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine season. Hearts finished third. Who had the most appearances for Hearts that year? Jesus. These questions too hard. Well, that I'm no, very bad at merging a lot of seasons into one, so I need to think of something that happened in a specific season. And Mark. Then Christos Karapidis. No, he was second. Ah! Yeah. Yes. Was it Marius Oyukas? Nope. Mark, Lee Wallace. Also second. Oh, come on! Ewan? Yep. Marion Kello? Nope. Mark, Michael Stewart? Yeah. Also second. Fuck there's, three off. On, there's three players on 34. No. Right, last chance Ten. each. So it's 36 appearances he made. Oh, I'm out. I'm all guessed out. He played more than those three. <gasps> yeah. There. Pull this out of the hat, Ewan. Come on, son. I'm going to say no, none no. of you are going to get it. Oh, who was it? Um, this is wrong, guess. Yeah, this is wrong, but Ruben Powers-Wales? No, wrong. God, who no. was it? Christian Nade. Wow. No. 36. Yeah. <laughs> 36? He, was, he 36 came off the bench. Games. Was he not a sub in loads of those games? Possibly. Well, that counts. Information. Yeah, still made appearances. Okay, here's the one. This should be. Well, this is a tenth question. It's five, five all. And it's, fi- and it's five all. <gasps> Perfect. Who was Hart's first non-Scottish manager? Oh, what a good question, Harris. You went. Oh no 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 no. Sorry, no. Carry on. That's not right. You've buzzed in, son. You've got to answer. Well, I don't... Well, it doesn't, there's no point. We'll just carry on thinking. <laughs> so, does that mean if, if he was, like, Irish or English, that that's... That counts. It's not going to be foreign managers. Is that, the, is that what you mean? First non-Scottish. I don't know enough about... I should know, but I don't know enough about the early managers... Um, and where they were from. 
you know what? You know what? You know what I was gonna. You know, I, I could tell this against myself. You know what I was gonna say? That was then. I thought I was, I was gonna say George Horton, <laughs> an iconic Scot, Scotland striker. Yeah, this is when neither of us agreed to answer to force you into additional. Um, okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Oh, oh, okay. I do have a guess. What? But it's the same as Mark it ignores historical matters. So, Graham Ricks? I'll, and I'll say 24 because he was English. Was he? 24, 24 is that? correct. Wow, well done. I didn't know that. 24 was English. And that's. I didn't, I didn't know that. 81. Yep. Season 81. The next one was Graham Ricks, which I found quite interesting. I never knew yes. 24 was in there. So well done, right, Mark. I, no, Just hold one. on. Hold, hold on. Hold on. I'm going um, to take that point off myself because I've just checked. There was an English manager of Hearts in 1937 to 1941 called Frank Moss. So that's the right answer. So I would normally go, oh, thank you. Six, five. Yeah, great. Up yours. But no, it's only fair. I just checked, and Frank Moss just was true, yes, sir. an English that. manager of Hearts. He was the first non-Scottish manager of Hearts. If you said post-war, then you could say... Yes, I could. yes that's maybe my yeah, yeah. wrong information. Right, luckily enough, I've got one final question, which was tiebreaker. Oh, see, Dunstan never did this. He was ill-prepared. Yes. But this is it. This is my last question. It's all i got. <laughs> okay. Who has Hearts' third most appearances? Third. Third most. Mark, John Robertson. Incorrect. So I've probably got one and one and two. Mm-hmm. Is it Henry Smith? Oh, Correct. Good shout. Oh, what a great shout. Henry yeah. Smith, 598. I'm Gary. Jeez, man. He is right. He's done well. There you go. Little quiz for you. Get you thinking. Why? Henry, Henry was, was Henry not born in Douglas Water? I thought he was from Yorkshire. Or did Hearts just sign him from Leeds? Hearts signed him from Leeds? I thought he came from down there. No? Where is Douglas Water? It's near Lanark. I've never been there in my puff. <laughs> Henry's a Scot that had an English accent that's become less English and he turned out very Scottish when he ended up on our podcast. So, there you go. Lovely guy. Congr- what are super guys are on me? Super guy. Congratulations, Ewan, thank you. Because I, I, I didn't want if Dunsar's back next week, I didn't want him saying, "What about you claiming victory when McGowan got the question wrong and blah 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 blah." So yeah, I've, I, I called an audible and well done, well done, Mister Murray. Ewan, thank you. Um, will you be at the game? Are you coming over for the game on Saturday? Or have you got another golf tournament to cover? Oh no, 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 that's fine. I'll be. Um, I'll miss the. Um, I'll miss the Hibs. This is quite funny. I'll miss the, the Hibs league game because. Um, it's the weekend of the Masters and normally the Scottish Cup semi-finals fall in the Masters weekend but this year I don't know how the schedule's changed somewhere so I can make the semi-final because that's the following weekend um, but I'll miss the Hibs league game I would rather have it that way around but um, yeah that was that was a bonus the problem is that the, well hopefully the problem is the Cup final falls in the weekend of the US PGA Championship at, oh uh, I know because I'm going so Southern can, Hills so hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll huddle we'll huddle around a little television well, I hope it comes to that. But after the 
they get the semi-final, I thought it was fair to look at the dates. I hadn't done that. I never do that beforehand, but um, I've looked at it now and know when it is. So that may be bittersweet, but hopefully it's an issue. <laughs> Indeed. Ryan, what, what's, what's for you this weekend? Um, are, are you getting punished for losing a cup final by the shake or, or what happens now? No, they, they were disappointed, but we got a league game on Saturday and then um, hoping for a couple of days off and venture back to the capital to see the family, oh, which would be lovely. So will you get to see um, the Livy game if, you're, if your game's on Saturday or is your game later on enough to be able to watch? Uh, later on enough, I should get most, the majority of the game. Um, cool. But yeah, looking forward to it. Enjoy. Thanks, Ewan, for coming on. Thanks for having me anytime, guys. Um, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, Ryan, as well. And hopefully we'll, we'll have Mr. Dunsar back next week. That'll do us for this week's Scarves Around the Funnel. Good luck to the Jambos this weekend, and we'll, as always, be back next weekend to look back on the game this weekend. Bye for now. Poppycock eyed world. We are family. I make believe in you. You make believe in me. Imitation birds. Imitation Pearls. Reality